start counting off the miles Gotta get to Houston before the loading And we're running short on time Hey everyone, we're here with another episode of Sippin' with Jen and Jules You're listening to Roadman from Jeff Moon's album Bones in the Ground Jeff was our in-studio guest this week And we talked about life as a musician and so much more So grab a beer and enjoy the show I asked Jeff, like, what's your favorite beer? What do you like to drink? He gave me a few, and I went to the store, and I picked the one with the prettiest label (laughs) because we like to take photos of these things. So we are drinking Purple Haze, and I don't even know anything about it, but it's really good. Well, purple is your favorite color. It is, and obviously that's one of the reasons I picked the drink. Because you were telling me the other one was, like, a strawberry. Yeah. Which is probably had, like, a red label. No, it's not I a think lot. so. Does I don't it? know. I can't remember, but it's all a Beta Brewing Company, which, you know, we're not getting paid by them, but they're probably one of my favorite beer companies out of uh, New Orleans. You kind of can't go wrong with just about anything they make. No. No, I, I like it a lot. It's really good. It's a raspberry yeah. something. It's very good. We should cheers. Very good. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers, clink. But have we actually introduced who we have on our show? Not yeah, okay, we're oh, getting okay, there. You're getting there. We're getting there. <laughs> we're working our way up. We're getting it. there. That's right. Drinks are always drinks are always first. Number one important then, thing. Yeah. So yes, yeah, so we have in, in studio guest. His name is Jeff Moon. I've known him for several years now. I don't even know how long, but it's yeah, it's been a few count. years. Yeah, it's been a minute. <laughs> um, and then introduced him to Julia. So now we're all just buddies. And I have to say, Jeff has been a super great supporter of our podcast from the very beginning. Mr. Audio Equipment Guy has let us borrow equipment, and he's just been a really great supporter and friend, and we are so happy that you're here talking to us today. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. Thank you. Thank you. Hey. So. And I remember, so I was trying to think back to the first time I met you, mm-hmm. and I actually have a photo of that first night, which, do you remember this, Jen? Was we it were, the show? Yeah, we were going to see In This Moment concert, and I dressed in a bright red jumpsuit. Do you remember that? I remember this, but I didn't know that was the first time. That was the first time. Was yeah, it? he came out. Um, it was Rose Pepper. We went out. Oh and yeah, that's right. Yeah, man, y'all are <laughs> can't I remember, remember things. But at this point, um, this is when you, Jeff, you were like, like musician. I was all excited. We were going to a show. You told me you played bass and my head was like a bass guitar, and so I was all <laughs> in the rock world. Clearly, know nothing about music except just what music I was going to go listen to and just made a fool of myself because I was all about a bass guitar and that was not what you were talking about. So tell people a little <laughs> bit about um, your background. So first of all, musician, but so many other things that you have um, going on in your life. Well, um, the bass guitar that you mentioned, I do play that. That's that's one of the, that's one of the instruments in my arsenal, but uh, my main instrument is the upright bass, the big giant acoustic looking thing. Some people mistake for a cello. Yeah, sometimes it gets mistaken for a large <laughs> cello. But um, yeah, that's kind of my bread and butter instrument. But, you know, I play a lot of things. I play guitar and bass. And I've been known to bang on things with sticks and, you know, <laughs> pound on things with keys, even though I'm not really a piano player. But, you know, whatever it takes to get the job done, I'll play it. Did you grow up musical or how did you get into it? Well, um, my mom and my dad are both musicians and artists and so playing music and doing art and being creative was just kind of the norm 
in my house growing up. And uh, my dad very early on got me all sorts of instruments you know he was always buying me keyboards and little guitars and things and he even had some recording equipment set up so somewhere and i wish i could find it i have a little tape of me and my dad making music when i was like five years oh, old. oh man oh that's and, sweet uh, i have to dig that up sometime and bring that into the digital world you should i feel like if you grow up in a household that encourages and surrounds surrounds you with opportunities to do things like music or whatever it is you have I don't want to say it's not an advantage necessarily, but it's just a different thing. So I feel like that is a fortunate way to be. Like, do you think like how how much influence do you feel like your upbringing bringing affects you now and what you do now? It's difficult to say because I don't really know the alternative. I mean, to me, it's like yeah. I said, being creative is just kind of the norm. So it's hard to imagine growing up in a world where that doesn't exist that actually seems very strange to me mm-hmm. um but yeah i would imagine that it would be a very very different kind of life um you know if i grew up with you know lawyers for parents and accountants and things like that yeah i, I don't know i can't really envision what that would be like because then i always think about like well so if you grew up with lawyers as parents would you now be a musician i don't i mean you know do you think right <clears throat> and actually no people from my hometown that they followed in the same footsteps as their parents. If they were attorneys, they're attorneys now. Mm -hmm. If, you know, they, accountants, such a great example. Like, it's the same kind of thing. And it's, it's almost like your path is kind of like pre-made for you. But for some people, I mean, it doesn't mean that you have to do that. Some people Mm -hmm. kind of just break away from it and do whatever. But you are saying that you know, it'd be difficult to imagine a different world where creativity is not like part of who you are. So mm-hmm. I think you could appreciate the people who don't have that, but then are now trying to like, like infuse creativity into their lives now, whenever that's not been the norm and how difficult that could be. Maybe, or it's just a matter of seeing that that's a different kind of creative, you know, because I think it takes creativity to be a doctor and a lawyer yeah, that's and, true. and things like that. So it's just... It's just a different medium. Yeah. Right. So I think I think ultimately every everybody's creative. It's just the the purpose yeah. and the direction is different. Yeah, and we talked about that a lot too. I just I'm like mm-hmm. personally fascinated by people's upbringings and how much influence that has on what they are as an adult and whatever. This is why I'm in therapy, but yeah. Yeah. Well, I get like for myself personally again like same background as Jen, small town USA, like very limited opportunity to you know, there were no museums, you know, art, art class, like we had art classes, but it was just very limited. And I feel like at that point, and I don't want to like discredit the people who were teaching art during that time, but it was just never like, it was almost kind of like tucked in the corner. Like you just have to go take this course and check it off your list. You know, it wasn't like, oh, well, if you're interested in art, we have this like broad program that we can put you in all these different things you have to seek it out more if you're in an environment like that doesn't have as many we're getting way off track but that doesn't have as many opportunities like if you live in new york city and you can go to museums and concerts all the time is one thing but if you live in small town usa like we did to go to go to the mall it took an hour and a half to go anywhere where Mm -hmm. there was not that the mall's like the mecca of creativity but that's just an example like if you live in the middle of nowhere you got to work for it to get 
to see these things. So yeah. that's off. But so while, I just think that's fascinating. So while Jeff was like at home jamming with his dad <laughs> with music instruments, like in my town, the thing to do was like cruise the parking lot of big lots. Like that was like... Jeff, you never did that, did you? Oh, no, I've done plenty of that. <laughs> I mean, I grew up in some, some small towns. Um, my early part of my teenagehood, I was living in Sedona, Arizona. And, uh, yeah, there was a lot of that, like, going to Walmart at 2 o'clock in the morning and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But um, one thing that I did that I think was, was really great and uh, I'm really glad I had the opportunity to do this was um, when I got out of high school. I didn't really know what I wanted to do for college, so I just started taking general classes at the community college. And they're all different forms of creative stuff, like... We mentioned, we talked about this earlier, there was a jewelry making class that we went through, did some creative writing, did a little bit of this, a little bit of that. I mean, it's it's great to kind of just dabble in, you know, even still to this day, I try to, you know, learn new skills all the time. And yeah, that's almost more fun than doing the things that I already know. It's like trying to find something new. and. Yeah. So tell us what you're dabbling in. Like I was just telling Julie, you do a lot of a lot of different things. So what are you doing now? Uh, well, the the newest thing is I, I recently became a member of a um, makerspace in Nashville. And uh, wherever you are listening to this, makerspaces are kind of a big thing. They're popping up everywhere, and they're pretty much in every town. And uh, they are just a great place to go learn and dabble and do all sorts of different things in this particular space in Nashville. I think it's called make space Nashville. Uh, they've got a wood shop. They've got a metal shop. They've got a recording studio. They've got uh, a 3d printing lab. They've got a sewing room pottery studio. And I'm even forgetting a few things. I know I am, but um, they also offer classes and, this kind of thing is going on everywhere and it's really not expensive. I think I pay $75 a month and I have access to all these things and lots of people willing to kind of teach and, you know, help me learn. And, um, so I started picking up welding again, which is something that I did back in high school in my early college days and put it down for a long time. And, uh, so yeah, I've been back, you know, building like little, sculptures of cats and <laughs> ridiculous little cowboys and things like that out of like horseshoes and you know call it state fair art so i remember you take you were taking blacksmithing classes yeah a couple of years ago before in the before times in the before times yes <laughs> uh i was taking some blacksmithing classes i got my own um forge and had someone gift me a piece of railroad track which i'm using as an anvil and uh I haven't really made anything of significant value as of yet, but, you know, heating up metal and beating on it is a great way to get rid of some aggressions. I was going to say, that's a great therapy. <laughs> right. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> right. <laughs> totally. So whenever you're doing your welding, you're doing your little cats and your mm -hmm. little cowboys, do you, like, plan what you're going to make, or do you just, like, let whatever you're making tell you what it wants to be? Uh, I'd say a little from column A and a little from column B. Yeah. Um, I like to research a lot of ideas on Etsy. Like I'll just go through and look at pictures of other things people have made. And then, you know, it's, it's not like the little sculptures I've made are that original, but they certainly have my own flair and, yeah. um, additions and changes. And 
Yeah, so yeah, I look at a lot of things, a lot of pictures on the internet and come up with ideas that way. What a great world that we live in now that we have access where people share what they do to get mm-hmm. inspiration. Like I am addicted to Pinterest. It's my favorite place in the world to like save mm-hmm. all of, you know, photography ideas. And there's part of me that looks at that and I think, oh, well, I want to do that. And then I'll stop myself because and then I'm like, well, someone's already done it. I need to do it differently. But really, the key is what you just said is that you put your own flair to what you do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's, you know, you could replicate something exactly. But, you know, who wants to do that? I mean, that's learning purposes to learn what's there. But we always kind of put our own little stamp on what we do, which is a creative thing that, you know, what makes us unique and can contribute. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, there's value in trying to copy something exactly too i mean it's kind of impossible not to put your own stamp on it but um one of the things that my my mother does and did for a while that i took a lot of inspiration from is um she wanted to learn because she's an artist she wanted to learn some skills of some of the great master painters and one of the ways that she wanted to do that was to try to replicate what they did and so but instead of replicating them perfectly like uh, she did a Vermeer painting that had a um, a woman sitting in a chair and there's another woman behind her with her hand on her shoulder and the woman sitting in a chair was playing a lute. And so she copied the painting to the letter except in the chair it was me sitting playing an electric guitar and my, my buddy who was a singer at the time standing with a microphone in his hand. Everything else in the painting was oh, exactly the same. Awesome. But, you know, she was able to learn a lot by by doing that. So, well, What is it they say? It's like you have to learn the rules before you can break them. Of course. And yeah. Like, I feel like if, you know, this is where I feel a lot of people struggle with I'm not creative. Because if you just put a blank sheet of paper in front of someone and you say, just do something, mm-hmm. I mean, that's a lot of pressure. You know, we've, we've talked about whereas, you know, Jen and I in our corporate lives, we have se- like semi-creative roles, you know, not like 100%, but people expect you to just turn cre- creativity on like a light bulb, you know, just like be creative, like do something. And it, it doesn't always work that way. Like you have to be inspired. It has to be a feeling that you know comes from within you but by you know looking at something replicating trying to do it you learn Mm -hmm. you find your own technique you do little things and so i think that's a great lesson for anyone who feels like they are not creative is just to copy until you find your own flair and what you do and what you enjoy plus like you can figure out what you like and what you don't like Mm no because jeff is always super interesting to me because you, you do all these different things like, oh, I want to learn how to do this. And so I'm going to go d- just take a class. It's like Julie and I, I feel like we think we think really hard <laughs> about what we want to do. But I dislike people who are just like, I'm going to try to do this and maybe I'll suck at it and maybe I'll be awesome. But it's fun. And that's the big deal. That's the that's the main thing. It's it's fun to do. So I don't know. You just have a, a good attitude, I think, about it. No, absolutely. Well, here's the thing. It's a good idea to not be afraid to suck. In fact, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whatever you did gonna do, it is gonna suck by somebody's standards anyway. It's, you just have to know that going in. Um, but that also means too, it's like if you want to learn a new skill, there's no pressure that says you have to be good at it to learn it. It's you know enjoy the joy of learning it. You know I like to learn a lot of a lot of new things, but I don't necessarily stick with it. It's um, Thank you for saying that. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I'll do something for a while and I'll suck at it and that's okay. Or it's whatever I do, it's, 
it sucks and it's completely wonderful at the same time. I mean, right now, if you're listening to this, uh, go grab a paper clip and twist it into the shape of an animal or grab a piece of paper and doodle something on it. I'll tell you right now, it's going to suck, <laughs> but it's also going to be amazing that you did that, that you put something into the world that didn't exist before. Yeah. You know, so it all has its own beauty and its own ugliness, too. It's... Right. Yeah, I like that. That's pretty cool. Yeah, like, what a great, Mm -hmm. like, just do it. And that's what I did, like, keep thinking of, is that we've had several, Mm -hmm. I think every guest we've had, and then things that we say, it's that if you you don't do it, then... Mm -hmm then what? Like, you're not doing it. Like, the worst thing to do, whether you mess up or not, is just not doing it. Mm -hmm. Like, that's the worst thing. Like, fail or suck at it or be bad, but at least you did it, you Mm -hmm. know? And I think that, um, gosh, I was watching that comedic special. I can't remember what it was, but at the very end, she was talking about, help me remember the name of the comedian. The one you told me to watch that I never watched, yes. Well, I, I told you a couple of them, but you never do what I say. I never do what Julia says. (laughs) But anyways, at the very end, um, she was talking about going to her small hometown and that people were saying like, we're so proud of you. Like you're doing a great job. And like from her perspective, she was like, well, thank you. But I feel like I'm failing. Like, I feel like I'm failing. And the lady said, but you're doing it. Mm -hmm. You have a dream and you're out there doing it. And I was like in tears because Like, that was so special because I feel like we're so hard on ourselves whenever we're trying to do stuff because there are amazing artists out here in this world of, like, social media and YouTube and all of this stuff where people share things. And we filter down to where everything just looks perfect and then we, like, do something for the first time and it's not good. And so, like, we just want to go, like, for me personally, I just want to, like, crawl back into my, like, little hole and be like, (laughs) well, I'm not good because people are doing this amazing thing, doing these amazing things. But to hear someone say that from their perspective, whenever they see you just doing it and just trying, that that means something to them. And they are proud of you for just for just that. And, you know, we talk a lot about with this podcast, you know, that we're like, we're doing it. Like, we're just doing it. You know, we're figuring it out as we go along and we're doing it. And I mean, I think that's that's what everyone needs to do with anything that you care about or that you want to do. And even if you don't want to do it forever, like you've tried so many different things and you're like, well, that wasn't for me or, you know, like it was for the moment. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Or it leads to something else. Like it could build to something bigger where you're like, well, this piece didn't really work, but either I met someone or I discovered a new place or something, you know, along there that I think always builds into your skill set. And that's what makes you unique. You know, if we all just like went to you know, an assembly line in a factory and we learn the same skills. Well, that's not, that's not fun. You know, like we have to have different things that we can bring to the table. Yeah. Well, the other thing too, is that it doesn't matter how good you get at something. There's never going to be a shortage of things that you can pair it against that, you know, could either inspire you or make you feel horrible about what it is that you're doing. There's never a shortage of those things. So you could get really, really good at something and there's always going to be someone quote unquote better than you at it. Mm -hmm. And you got to realize that it's really not about that. It's, uh, you're just doing it and that's, you know, you're putting a piece of you out into the universe and that's a beautiful thing no matter what. But is what, what do you, is music what you keep coming back to? Like, that's like your core creative thing or what do you think what do you would you say that that's how important is it to keep going with the music music is definitely very important yeah um is it number one 
yeah, maybe. Um, the other side of the other sort of the closest thing that I would call a main focus in terms of creativity is uh, filmmaking. I have a degree in digital filmmaking and I went and worked in the television world for a while and decided that I really didn't like that. But as of recently, I've been rediscovering that, you know, I do like that as uh, a medium of creativity. And so I think somehow between music and filmmaking, that's kind of the, the main core of yeah. who I am and what I do. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah. But they kind of, like, in my, because I love both of those areas, I, although mm-hmm. I'd like, I, I appreciate music. I have no talent for music, but I appreciate the visual component that mm-hmm. you can get with um, music or being a musician. And I think that translates really well into filmmaking as mm-hmm. well, because it's all storytelling. It's about emotions, mm-hmm. you know, how you're, you know, because I, I, I would imagine, well, this is, I'm going to say, I, this is how I feel things, but you're the pro here. So you tell me if this is like what you... <laughs> and what you experience but like as a consumer of music i feel like the songs that i gravitate to the most are the ones that i could close my eyes and like see a full picture you know mm-hmm. it, it's my picture it's what i make it may not be what you know the artist has in their head but is when you're making an album or you're writing a song i mean is there what visual component do you have with that uh that's actually a very very huge part of it for sure and there's a sort of a synesthetic quality of uh, music to me. And I, I don't see it as much now that I'm older, but I remember being like, you know, four or five years old and listening to, you know, my mom was always playing records in the living room. And I remember, you know, seeing a story play out in my head for, you know, the songs that I was starting to come familiar with. And it was, um, it's not a story in the sense of like, what we would understand as story it was more like you know sort of shapes and colors and and things like that and so i think there's always been that sort of element with music there there's always colors and shapes and things going on in my head when i listen to it and uh sometimes it's fun to bring those colors and shapes out into something that's visually recognizable to the world which is why i think music videos and things like that are such a great medium Movies in general, too. It's like there's a, a very important sound component to movies. I don't think people yeah. realize that that's basically half of the experience that you're experiencing when you're watching a movie. Half of it is what you hear. Yeah. You know, not just what you see. Yeah, 100%. I feel like mm-hmm. the music can make or break anything mm-hmm. because it, it almost tells you like what to expect or what to feel mm-hmm. when you're there. And I know like, you know, we're watching shows that are kind of like, you know, scary crime, whatever, you know, but it's like, I definitely was like paying attention to the music that I'm like, okay, something's coming. Like I, <laughs> mm-hmm. the music has like shifted. And it's the same thing with like the colors and the shapes, the colors more so because even like color theory I mean, there's, there are emotions built into that. And it's the same thing with like photography. You know, if you want your image Mm -hmm. to be warm, you're going to put some yellow in there. You want it to be cool. It's going to be some blue. And so it's all like interconnected. Right. And it's, I feel like that's, that then like, to me translates into why like with creativity, 
can like cross so many like multi areas because it's connected in some way, Mm -hmm. even though they're like some people just specialize and like I'm a musician, but I feel like you have like other pieces of you that go into it as well. Even if you're not like taking your camera out and shooting Mm -hmm. bird photography or whatever, you know, it's, yeah, it's all kind of just like meshed together and like you, you get your like little creative, like little, I don't know, foundation or your like soul interconnected together and. Yeah, I mean, I always like storytelling. You always talk about storytelling because, and and if you listen, like Jeff has a couple. How many albums do you have out? One, two? I well, one really. I mean, there's an album I put out like 15 years ago that I kind of just disappeared. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't didn't quite have the skill to put an album out at the time. So, uh, yeah. But my my point was, you know, like his latest album, like there's the songs are stories, right? So Mm -hmm. there's storytelling is the thing right and like with your photography julia it's telling a story it's, it's all about that with my writing so the cinematography and the music go together to tell the story so it's just how can you tell the best story using all the emotions and the senses yeah yeah and then like how does that like work with any creative thing that you do you know because i feel like as human beings like we all have a story to tell we all go on different journeys and so maybe that's really the core of the creativity or the things that you want to produce in the world is really understanding like what story do you want to share with the universe? I mean, you, you said it um, earlier where you're talking, you know, asking people to twist the paperclip or whatever it's, it comes from you and it's what you put into the universe. And I thought that was really important because mm-hmm. we like, we do get to leave pieces of ourselves for, you know, the next, you know, people who come and it's, I don't know. It's just really like, don't hold that back. Like, do it. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to go back to, um, you're not from here. You're not from around here, are you? <laughs> not from around here, no. So I'm always curious about how how people end up in Nashville. Why do they come here? And especially if you're from, and I'll, you can share where you're from or whatever if you want, but the culture shock of coming from somewhere else to the South, Red State South or whatever, just... I know Nashville's Music City, right? That's where you mm-hmm. come. But just the difference in the environment and the people and how your environment shapes what you do. Does that make sense? I think so. Okay. Yeah. Like, where did, like, where did you come from and what what brought you to Nashville? And do you think Nashville is the mecca that people say it is? And, and have you... You know what I'm trying to say, Julia? I yeah, I do. Because we talked a little bit about this earlier. Yeah, no, I think I think I know where you're coming from, and um, just the culture. The culture here is so different from, and not just music either, just mindsets and things yeah. for good or bad, whatever. But the culture here is so different. So, well, well, first, why did you come to Nashville? Well, I came to Nashville. I think about six years ago, and I was married at the time, and we came out here together to open a vintage clothing business because we couldn't do that in Northern California where I came from because it was just too expensive to do that there. And so we came out here and we figured out it was too expensive to do that here too. <laughs> it's too expensive anywhere. <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's, it's not, not a very profitable business. And so that, that didn't work out so well. Um, and I actually didn't want to come to Nashville for music. That was mm-hmm. one of the things that... Uh, you never hear anybody say that. I know. I'm <laughs> yeah. surprised by that. Well, it's, it's, it, to me, it's kind of like the equivalent of going to Hollywood to be an actor. It's like, yeah, that's where it's happening. And that's where the Mecca is. But that's also where all the competition is. Uh-huh. And so you got to put a lot of work into that. In Northern California, I was... 
I was making a good significant portion of my income playing music. And as far as I was concerned, I was successful. And coming here, I knew it would be a whole different ball game to get back to that. And it'd be pretty difficult. And it, it kind of has been. Yeah. Um, so, but as luck would have it, I ended up here anyway and ended up getting mixed up in the Nashville music <laughs> scene. And, you know, um, which, you know, it has its benefits and, you know, has, there's, there's definitely pros and cons to it all. And yeah, it's true. There's a lot of competition and there's a lot of culture around, um, you know, really trying to make it a business and which is, which is fine. There's just a lot of that that I don't necessarily want to get involved with. Um, yeah. Some of it I do. I mean, I would love to make a living as a musician. I certainly was in California. It'd be nice to get back to that. Yeah. Um, and eventually. It makes it, I would imagine it makes it hard to uh-huh. stick out whenever you have so much competition, right? Yeah, but the really the, the, the lesson in that for me was that I can either conform to Nashville, I can either, you know, play the game, do the business, or I could just be more of myself and do more of what I do and make that louder. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like that's that. kind of became my choice is that, you know, I, I have my, my choice of what elements I want to get involved with and just speak my voice louder. And so that's kind of been my approach. Um, the other side of it, you were talking about kind of the culture and I've kind of figured out something kind of interesting about Nashville and I think it kind of makes sense why this has become kind of the cultural center of, you know, country music and certain kinds of music. And and one thing that as an outsider to the South, one thing that I've kind of noticed is that, um, and I don't even really know how to say this without being kind of like, you know, ooey gooey new agey kind of whatever. <laughs> we like ooey gooey like, new agey. It's okay. There's a there's still a lot of like energy left over from like the Civil War, and there's still a lot of like um, there's a lot of racial tension and a lot of there's kind of a dark side to the South for sure. And it's kind of a kind of an ugliness that's it's kind of there's there's a pain yep. here, and it's almost like a sort of general sort of psychic energy that kind of hangs over the South. Um, for better or for worse, I think that's where a lot of the musicians get their inspiration from. That there's this, and I almost call it, there's a there's a word that uh, I had never heard until I came to the South, which is uh, haints, which is kind of like spirits or ghosts. Yeah. And people talk about going to the graveyard and... And, you know, especially the old blues musicians going and playing in the graveyard in the middle of the night to gather up the energy of the haints. And uh, that's what I feel that dark sort of spiritual energy is, is kind of the haints. But it's also like you can take that and use the music to transform it. And I think that's why so much incredible music has come out of the South. Or at least that's kind of one of the elements. That's interesting. And, mm-hmm. and like I immediately thought about like untold stories mm-hmm. that need their time to have a voice mm-hmm. um wow that's really fascinating i'd never seen it from that <laughs> well especially as people who have born and raised right i mean for me i've always been born in tennessee always lived here my whole life so 
I just found it interesting when other people, when the other people come, <laughs> the outsiders. The outsiders come to Tennessee and I just like, what do they think about like this, this or that? And it's just because I have my perspective. I don't I can't I don't I don't come from I come from here. Mm-hmm. But I'm, you know, with my work and a lot of things that I've self-educated myself to kind of, oh, wow, that is a dark, nasty piece of history Mm -hmm. wow what do they think who come from whatever i just it's just fascinating from a sociology standpoint yeah yeah there's a lot of really dark history around here and a lot of it that sort of needs to be processed through art i feel like that's that's the healing element Mm -hmm. and that's kind of i think why we are all here musicians and artists and creatives it's oh i mean that's such a positive yeah that's a positive spin Mm -hmm. on it because it could just be like you guys are you know racist rednecks so we <laughs> i don't want to be here you know so yeah, yeah. well so, yeah because i think you know you talked about that there's a pain mm-hmm. here and you know sometimes i think great art comes out of like experiencing that or channeling that like you were talking about and how interesting that is but i like jen like okay we're from the south but do you like really feel like you're from the south like do you really pay that much attention to it or are you just like i'm just here oh wow (laughs) (laughs) i mean because i feel like i'm just here it's like i don't really feel like i identify as like i'm from the south even though i'm from the south but it's just like i'm just living my life and I don't Man, know. I th- okay, well, am, I, am I wrong? Oh, because this now, is like now a I'm way off. Like... <laughs> what, wait, wow, that's super interesting. I don't. This is a whole other side conversation that I want to have now because, I, yeah, because I've always, I've always, no offense, Southern friends, but I've always wanted to leave. Mm-hmm. Like I always wanted to get out because I. So you wanted to specifically leave the South. Yeah, because I see all the nasty and the mm-hmm. closed-mindedness and the hate and the. Not that there's not wonderful, great people here. Obviously, there's right, there right. are of course, mm-hmm. but I I especially as I get older, see more and more of the nasty, and so I've always wanted to leave. So I'm not. I don't want to say I'm embarrassed to be from here. We're going to have to cut some of this, y'all. <laughs> but it's but just... honesty. Auth- uh, but being authentic. I know, I know, I know, I know. But I always wanted to it, leave. Yeah, I don't... Well, okay, so... But don't you think that there are, like, nastiness and bad things totally. in other places Oh, as for well? sure. But, but it's just kind of like the culture is very overwhelming in that area. It kind of, like, leans maybe more to that area because that's the history that's here and it's a very prideful strong history that's taken a long time to Mm -hmm. to change and i feel like me personally being from the south have been very sheltered right like compared to somebody if some of my friends who are from you know west coast or whatever i just felt like i was not exposed to things because i lived in like a super rural area and so now it's like country girl goes to town right you and you're like in all of all the things that you didn't know because you just didn't know mm-hmm. so I, yeah well like like similar story to like i'm really surprised that when people who are the outsiders come to mm-hmm. nashville that you're coming for music and you kind of had a different journey here but then i look at us and i'm like why did we come to nashville because we were because oh, we're not uh, musicians okay no right <laughs> but like that's like i said i always wanted to leave like i'm from a tiny little town in northwest tennessee that i always wanted to leave it and like i'm gonna go to college somewhere so i've baby stepped my way to the big city right. quotations <laughs> so nashville to me is like 
the best no i'm not gonna say that but it's it's it was the city the big city in tennessee that you go to it was so i'm still in my little comfort bubble yeah but i'm not in little tiny town which amazing people there too no you know but yeah but that was like the same like that was the same experience for me because i'm not a musician but it was like the the biggest small city that i could go Mm -hmm. to from where I grew up in, like, the small town. So it's, like, I didn't, like, hop a plane and go to L.A. Like, I really wanted to do in my life. But it was, like, okay, what's, like, the next little, like, yes baby step I could take? And you're, like, oh, Nashville. Yeah, and I didn't, I, don't, I didn't care about the music. That was not a yeah, thing. Yeah, like, it I was, wasn't even, yeah. yeah. So anyway, we're way off. But yeah, anyway, we're <laughs> back to Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, it, I think it all, like, ties into the music stuff because Jen and I were having a conversation before you know we were here today and on we were like well i mean i personally want to know about music i'm obsessed with like musicians and like the whole thing um and like my assumption was that you came here to be a musician but Mm -hmm. what you're saying is that well you were having like a better career in california because that was going to be my question like well can't you be a musician really anywhere like what is it here but you explained all of that i think it was um it's really eye-opening because it's like that is not what I expected. Like mm-hmm. you just think that, you know, it's, it's the 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 business of the music and people come here. I know that's a piece of it, mm-hmm. but I love your approach to where it's this. There's just so much untold here, like mm-hmm. so much just like that is to me is like true artistry, right? It's not chasing a buck, chasing a hall of fame nomination or chasing whatever like that come you know that could come but it's it's really about the art of the music making mm-hmm. that drives a lot of musicians because there are a lot of musicians here that won't ever like be in you know the award stages or like whatever but they still play like mm-hmm. this place is just saturated with just people who are just playing for passion they just mm-hmm. play because it's in them um like, tell me about that. Tell me, like, what that drive is to just, like, pick up, you know, a guitar or an instrument and just play for just the sake of playing. Huh, that's an interesting question. Um, well, just for my own therapy, if I go through periods of time without playing music, I, I kind of go a little crazy. It's like, I, I just, I need to have that outlet. Um there's been periods of my life where I've taken long extended breaks from playing music and those have not been my best moments. It's like, this is, this is my therapy and what I need. It's, um, and it's certainly been challenging, especially during COVID times. Cause you know, I haven't, haven't been able to play in front of people per se. Um, but have been able to kind of shift that and find different ways of using music and still so that it's still, been a big big important part of my life so yeah no I think the drive really just comes from well there's a couple things one of them is like you know it's therapy it kind of helps me deal with all the garbage that's floating around my head that everyone has has to deal with it's it's an outlet for that and two there's kind of an amazing thing that happens when you're playing music and kind of just like with you know meditating or whatever um your thoughts become less important. When you're in the process of playing music, you're not really thinking, um, especially when you're playing with a group of people and um, you know, you're really getting into it and you're really grooving. 
um, you can't think and play music at the same time. That's a, that's hmm. a quote I think from. Uh, oh, I can't remember. Some great jazz musician said, "You can't think and play music at the same time." And um, I, I thoroughly agree with that. And so there is just so much of a psychological benefit in being able to um, take a break from your thoughts. Yeah. Does so that, it's like an outlet. Like we all need mm-hmm. those outlets. And so that's Jeff's mm-hmm. outlet. Yeah. I was going to mm-hmm. kind of say that, I, you know, maybe I was trying to think of like other, I think a lot of other create like creative avenues probably have something similar where you can kind of just like get in the flow state of Mm -hmm. just creating um writing i think might be a little bit more because it's like you have to have your thoughts then but you're like kind of getting that out and and doing but like i'm thinking of like the potter's wheel like does the make space have pottery he said yeah they do which that's on our list on our list the kick wheel like is that what it's called i have no idea but i just think about ghost the movie ghost oh oh (laughs) <laughs> sorry my face right, anyway yeah anyway so i mean i think about pottery like because i've seen people do it and it's just it mesmerizes me just watching them do it but things like painting would be one where i feel like you can kind of lose yourself in it but we all need to get out of our heads so yeah 100 mm-hmm. percent. like and i think that too like a, you know things that i say with like the photography that you know i'm trying to do or that i want to do more of is taking what's in my head and putting it out there into something visual so that I can be like, look, like this is what's in my head and I can explain like, mm-hmm. this is like how things are going on in here. You know, it almost becomes more of like an identity, you know, piece of you that you can say like, I'm sh-, like, uh, again, putting yourself back out into the universe, right? Like here's, here's a piece of me, you know, that I'm gonna share. And you really find the people who get it mm-hmm. and then the people who are just like, <laughs> you're weird, <laughs> you know, like that's not, that's not cool. <laughs> like, I'm but, not I mean, into that's, that. Your thing is not going to be everybody's thing. Like, Jeff's music is not for everybody, right? Anybody's music is n- not universally accepted. So that's a whole other topic of just, like, whatever you do, do it, and just realize it's not going to be for everybody, and that's fine. Yeah. That would be boring anyway. Right. All right. Well, I want to hear some, like, fun music stories. Like, people <laughs> that you, like... Just like to me, okay, like, okay, my fantasy world in my head that I think about musicians, I think is like some little special world that you all get to like enter into that is like not musicians don't ever get to see. And you just like know, like you have, you have something inside of you that you just know where to go and you show up and you just like randomly like can just jam with people and like just have these like amazing things happen and then like musicians just like filter into that area and like you've had to have met like amazing people like just randomly sitting in a jam session like tell me like just make it up if it's not true that's how I feel like. <laughs> Indulge her. <laughs> oh well certainly there's been I don't know there's been times where I've like wandered in to go see like Hillbilly Casino downtown and um then trying to leave but them not letting me leave because they want me to come up on stage and jam with them and you know things like that happen all the time um uh i'm trying to think of some good stories in that regard um here's my my favorite in that regard and i think it's it's not with anybody famous it was nobody that you would know but there was one time in california where um there was we went to my favorite little bar in Fairfax, California. It's called Perry's. And 
I uh, went out there one night and there was some random band playing that I'd never seen before. I just hadn't gone on that night where they were playing. And um, they were up there jamming their way and their, their bass player was a total goofball, as most of us generally are. <laughs> and he thought it would be really funny to put his bass down and walk off stage and go tap me on the shoulder and say, okay, it's your turn. Like and he didn't know you were a bass player? Well, that's just, he had no idea. He okay. thought he was just being funny. Well, I, I thought he knew that I was a bass player. <laughs> So I just said, okay, and I walked up on stage and put his bass on, and the band was all looking at me like, what are you doing? Oh, my gosh. And the, the, the guy was like, he was sitting in the audience looking at me going, I didn't know you were a bass player. And I was like, well, just everything kind of froze. We're like, well, what do you want to do? And they're like, well, why don't you play a song? And so we, we played like three or four songs and had a blast, and the bass player got to sit at the bar and drink for a little while. Oh, that's, that's crazy. crazy. Oh, but it is like there's, yeah, uh-huh. we, there's like this community, like, and I, I'm not in it, obviously, because I don't know how to play nothing, anything, right? Mm-hmm. But there, it does seem like it. And when, even when we're walking around Nashville, when we could do that in the before times and see, like, just musicians playing around, sitting out and just jamming, and it's like they have their own little, like, I don't know, bubble. Yeah. And it's just cool to watch it. Yeah. Know. Well, I just, like, imagine... Like back in the day when Elvis was not Elvis, right? And he's just like in Memphis and he just like goes and like hangs out with people and like jams in his little like apartment complex that he lived in. And it's like, imagine like, (laughs) I don't get to do that. Like, I don't get Mm -hmm. to just like go meet random people and like the line of work that I'm in or like my, and I'm like, it's something special. There's something special that I haven't like haven't locked into exactly what it is that special little magic that musicians it you're different than everyone else <laughs> and maybe but maybe <laughs> it's not in maybe it's just not so, musicians though maybe it's you know other things too i mean it could be i mean i'm just obsessed with i know yeah music and musicians and like i kick myself for not taking opportunity to like learn how to play an instrument in it's my lifetime yeah, I was true. gonna say that too. That's true. It's not too late. Hey, you got a guitar hanging on the wall. Right I there. know it's a bucket list item. I don't know why <laughs> I just don't do it because I, I mean, I love and appreciate music so much and like the emotions and the feeling and the, the vibe, everything that you get with music, that as an outlet with like you're talking about therapy and just mm-hmm. doing it. So, would you play the guitar? Is that the instrument you would want to learn? Um, I think so. Yeah. I think so. That or piano. Yeah. But you play, do you play piano, you said, or no? I took three semesters of piano in college and never really got very good at it. Yeah. I mean, I, I have a MIDI keyboard that I use as part of my my recording operation. Yeah. But I'm not really that skilled at it. Do you think you have to have, like, a um, a musical brain, or can anybody learn? Like, if you're tone deaf, can you learn? Absolutely. Really? Okay. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. And... And I think I think that's a good way to, if you are tone deaf, that's a good way to fix that. You know, creating it's all creating new neural pathways. Right. And that's really what playing music is is just creating all sorts of different neural pathways and. Yeah. You know, it's amazing what learning an instrument will do as far as that goes. Yeah, but do you think it's easier for somebody? Is there such a thing as natural talent though? 
Yeah, I don't know if I'm qualified to answer that. Okay. To be honest, <laughs> I'll let you off the hook. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's it's possible. Maybe. Yeah. I know that I had to work really hard for whatever talent I have. Okay. And I still have to work hard for it. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's interesting. I think I'm just too like scattered. Well, to do, yeah. to do things, you know, it's like I feel like there's a dedication that comes to being a musician that I just don't have. Well, for me, it's like the stick to it. Like you got to practice right. that shit, stuff. Yeah. And like you, you can't. I, I don't stick with much of anything, so there's no way I would just be yeah, like. No, I, I would disagree with that too. Really? I would say learning a musical instrument is no more difficult than learning how to drive a car. And I really think that if our society looked at that way, more people would play musical instruments. Because really, it's, uh, you know, it's not that different than you know learning how to operate a steering wheel and and learning when to operate your gas. It's all about timing. Mm-hmm. You don't want to turn too soon or you run into that house. You yeah. know, so it's all knowing when to change the chords and when to you know. Mm-hmm. Most of the time, you have three options of chords that you can change to if you're playing one, and so it's the same thing of you know either choosing to go left, go right, or go straight. Yeah. And I guess it's that whole like outsider looking in thing. It just looks so hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, and I think I think a lot of people want you to believe that. Yeah. And I think a lot of people do believe that. And I, I think if we looked at it like learning to drive a car, like it was just a rite of passage that things people did, then more yeah. people would play instruments because it's really not that big of a deal. Says the musician who... <laughs> but see, that's the trap we fall into, right? Yeah. We, yeah, yeah, yeah. But then uh, to be good, though, you got to practice. I'm not going to practice. I know. Well, like, because, like... Like professional musicians, like bands that I follow, like they play every day. And I know it's their job, but. <laughs> I'll be honest, I don't practice every day. Yeah. And I actually don't practice that often. I mean, I, I play when I'm working on projects and things like that, but you know, I don't, I'm so not disciplined. Yeah. I'm the most undisciplined practitioner ever. <laughs> I think I think we again we we get in our own heads about how hard something is or how much yeah and then mm-hmm. it's just like you talk yourself out of it. I mean I don't particularly have a desire to play anything honestly. Piano would be my or I have an organ like I would choose like a keyboard whatever. But I feel like it's just something that's so foreign that we get in our own heads and so we don't even try to. Well, like with everything we do or a lot of things that we do. Let's take this podcast and turn it into like we're going to start a band. But I don't want to start a band. <laughs> you guys can start a band. I don't really want to start a band. It's on my list, Jeff. Um, uh, you know, since we've had conversations before about songwriting, and mm-hmm. you gave me like a really great insight to songwriting, and that you know, writing the words and like saying them kind of naturally has its own melody. Mm-hmm. And I've actually been practicing this with like songs that are out in the world, like trying to just read the lyrics mm-hmm. and I'm finding like, I'm like, wow, that is like, and so I feel like that's like, that was like my one, like, I mean, one of many that I need to unlock, but that was just like one little tiny step because I had like, it is, it would be like my ultimate to write a song. like. Mm-hmm. I won't be able to sing it and I probably won't be able to play it, but I can write the words to it and like, like give the feeling for how, you know, it should be out in the world maybe. Mm -hmm. Um, But I've been like toying with that, 
you know, practice of like, okay, maybe I can find my like rhythm and my melody to like what my words would be and, you know, to help write that. So it is on my list and like, you're, you're my person to, (laughs) you're going to like produce it and like make it a thing, like take it from words to there you go. A thing. So do you have a songwriting process? Like what, or do you just like, does it come to you? Like, is there, how does that happen? Uh, It's so different every time. Okay. Okay. But anyway, I want to just want to touch on something you mentioned, what you're kind of, what, what you're talking about, what I was telling you about was something that I call natural melody. And that's um, just in our normal speaking behavior. You know, there is melody to, you know, even when we're talking to each other now, it's like our voice isn't totally monotone. We're not talking like robots. <laughs> there is a natural up and down, and that flows with the emotion that we have. And so that's, that is one of the parts that I do in songwriting is that if I'm having trouble coming up with a melody, I'll say the words as a sentence as I would naturally say that, and the natural ups and downs sort of become my starting point for the melody. Mm-hmm. That's part of uh, sort of universal human language that we have even when we're, we're babies. Like, you know, when you hear a baby go, Arr! you know kind of what that means. You know when they're making certain sounds. Mm-hmm. And it's not even just human, it's mammalian language. Like, you know, your pets make certain sounds. Your dog howls a certain way. There's a melody to that that expresses something, and there's a language to that. And so it's... Um, music is no different. I think, you know, melody very much ties into those exact emotions that we already naturally use. And to me, that's also why I think country music has a twang. It's because in the natural language, there's a Southern accent. And so that's getting represented on the instrumentation. Same thing with like, you know, Chinese music has kind of a twang to it too. That's kind of different and very much matches the language that they speak. And that's why I think like European rock music is always big, giant, and melodic. It's because, you know, people who speak, you know, English as an England language is naturally more melodic than us as Americans. We're a little bit more monotone. There's not a day that goes by that I feel like a lot of people don't consume music in some way. And it's such a beautiful language and it's a universal language, right? Like we all can listen to a song and feel what they're trying to convey in that. And Well, I think a great example, I love to listen to popular songs and pick them apart and see what they're they're doing. And I think one of my favorite examples is from one of my favorite producers, Dr. Dre, uh, if you listen to Straight Out of Compton, um, that song is such a brilliant example of a musical statement, and it's very simple. Um, if you if you have a melodic line that goes down at the end as opposed to up, if it goes down, that's a statement. If it goes up at the end, it's like a question. Like if you know, if I say, "How are you doing today?" or well, that's not a great example because I didn't go up at the end. But a lot of times, questions have a, mm-hmm. have an upswing at the end. But the melody that's in that particular song is this. Over and over again. And just that conveys so much attitude. Like, we're not asking you any questions. We're telling you who we are and what we are about. And if you listen to their rap style on it, it follows that same pattern. I don't know if Dr. Dre thought about this when he did that, but it's like that whole song conveys, you know, so much attitude and i really think it's the the thesis of that entire you know group's yeah message and everything 
Oh, that's interesting. I and never even... And it goes even... so deep, and it's like, you don't really think about it when you listen to it. You just think, man, this song is full of attitude. Mm -hmm. But that's why. Yeah. <laughs> that's really interesting. If you think about it, the whole song went dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. It would be totally wishy-washy. Yeah. Mm. You wouldn't feel it as much. There's so much that goes into... <laughs> All of that, right? Like, it is mm -hmm. not just as simple as, like, let's just go, like, put some sounds together. Like, mm -hmm. you really good, like, good production, right? You really mm -hmm. have to think about. There are a few albums that listening to an album from beginning to end, I don't think a lot of people do that. You kind of mm -hmm. skip around. But I have, like, in the past, like, 10 years have started to really appreciate just listening as the artist intended when they were putting that together and finding a completely different experience of, you know, I may not like every song, but there's a journey that mm -hmm. that goes into that. And that that's part of that, like artistic expression is, you know, when we just skip around and we're like, oh, like, we'll do this song or this song and I'm not going to listen to this song. I mean, think about that person that put all that time into putting that together. And like thinking about that experience that they wanted the user to go through. And you were just like, eh, nah, I don't <laughs> want to do that. So I really tried to like albums that I, you know, mm -hmm. like if I find an artist that, you know, I'm into, you know, I want to give a chance, like, let me just go listen to an album in, in its entirety. And, you know, if you're not doing that, do that because I feel like you, you, we, we focus so much on just like what's popular and what's like catchy and what's like trendy and what's in the business of like making music, like making money in the, in the music business. But there's like true, like an artist's soul into that whole, I guess I never thought about the order that that somebody had to do that intentionally. Right. Like, is that a thing? Like that's people think about that. Oh, okay. Absolutely. Okay. No, in fact, there's, um, there's people that get paid a lot of money to figure out the order of songs for a record. I think uh, there's one guy in particular, I don't know his name, but he's famous for ordering, putting the order together on Pink Floyd's The Wall. Mm. Um, he's been paid like millions of dollars. He gets paid like a million dollars to order somebody's record. Huh. I think he did. I think that's my perfect job. <laughs> I think we've just now discovered what ding, ding, ding. I want to do. He did it the couple of the Nine Inch Nails albums, and then I think Tool paid him a million dollars to order one of their albums, and then Tool went and reordered it themselves afterwards. <laughs> well, I mean, the Shine Down, attention, attention. Mm -hmm. It's a story album, yeah. So, mm -hmm. I mean, it it starts out with you know an individual in a very dark place, and throughout mm -hmm. the course of the album, through each song, it's that like a literal person's journey from like the dark darkest part of their lives to now like getting up out of like depression and you know mental health and living their lives because you're unique and you you know deserve to be here and so it's in a whole experience of just listening to it from beginning to end and i know um you know there are like so many other albums that you'll like listen to a song and you know it'll kind of end but if you're like if you're ready just to skip to the next one or you're skipping around you miss that little like piece that some have like a beautiful like connector piece right in the middle that you miss if you're just like well this song's done and let me skip to the next one mm -hmm. so i mean it really is like it's such an experience to really you know do that for yourself but then to also think about that person who's put in that time and 
the thought and like what it what are you trying to say what is beneath this you know we had so much fun talking with musician jeff moon that we had to do this in two parts thanks for listening to the first half of our conversation be sure to subscribe to sipping with jen and jules on itunes to catch part two see you next time i am a road man just another showman it's the 